Section 65, A History of the Inquisition of Spain by Henry Charles Lay, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Scott Breck. History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3 by Henry Charles Lay, Book 8, Chapter 4, Part 8, Spheres of Action, Censorship. Rome, it should no longer prove an ally of the crown in defense of the regalias. Lorente mentions two authors, Ramos de Manzano and Pedro Gonzalez de Salcido, whose works it condemned for defending the royal prerogative. It could not be depended on for suppressing those who impeach the regalias and the state. In defending itself was obliged to resort to its own censorship, as in case of the work entitled Casos Reservados a su Santidad, attributed to Dr. Francisco Barambio in 1694. It never appeared in the index, but a royal auto condemned it as subversive of the regalias and prerogatives of the crown, and ordered its suppression under pain of half-confiscation and arbitrary penalties. We have already seen how in the 18th century the Inquisition, in the case of Macanas and the works of Barnclay and Levire, and in that of the Catechism of Mesengui, took sides against the royal prerogative, although in the former Philip V weakly yielded, Carlos III in the latter not only temporarily suspended Inquisitor General Bonifaz, but took steps to protect more thoroughly the crown against papal encroachment and to limit the censorship powers of the Inquisition. November 27, 1761, he laid down the basis of subsequent legislation in instructions of the Council of State to frame a new law adequate to the necessities of the case. In consequence, the Pragmatica del Executor of January 18, 1762, ordered that no bull, brief, or papal letter addressed to any tribunal junta judge or prelate should be punished without having first been presented to the king for his approval by the nuncio while those four individuals should be submitted to the royal council to see whether they affected the concordat or prejudiced the regalias or the good customs and the usage of the kingdom this was followed by a cedula of august eighteenth imposing restrictions on the inquisitor's censorship but both of these were withdrawn by decree of july fifteenth seventeen sixty three a decree obtained by the royal confessor, Padre Ileta, working on the king's superstition by representing the loss of Havana as the evidence of divine wrath. This respite, however, was not of long duration. At a junta called in 1768 to consider matters growing out of the expulsion of the Jesuits, the counts of Florida Blanca and Campomanes presented a memorial calling attention to the surreptitious introduction of several papal briefs and to the disastrous influence of the censorship in flooding the land with ignorance. The result of the discussion was the reenactment of the Pragmatica del Executor, with more enlarged provisions and a cedula of June 6th, proving that the Inquisition should not prohibit any work by a Catholic of good repute without giving him a hearing, or, if he were a foreigner or dead, without appointing for him an advocate of competent character. The circulation of books was not to be suspended under pretext that they were undergoing examination, and those to be expurgated 
the objectionable passages were to be speedily fascinated, so that the current reading of them should not be interrupted, and any special propositions condemned were to be clearly indicated so that they could be expurgated by the owners. Prohibition was to be confined to errors and superstitions and lax opinions prejudicial to religion and morality, and no edict was to be published until it had been approved by the king. These reforms were in the spirit of those by which Benedict the Fourteenth, in the bull of Solicita Act Provida, had endeavored to soften the rigor of the Roman censorship, but they were largely impracticable. They excited lively opposition, especially the provision allowing the circulation of books during the process of examination, and Laurent tells us that, for the most part, the Inquisition eluded their restrictions. It was, of course, impossible for the king to pass judgment on all the condemnatory edicts which followed each other in rapid succession and were submitted to him without explanation or record of the author having been heard in his defense. This latter provision, however, seems to have been observed. In 1775, we find the Suprema sending to Valencia certain conclusions commencing Systema Physicum de Hominis Generatium, together with the papers concerning their condemnation and the cedula of June 16, 1768, so that the party could be heard in defense. The author, however, was not allowed to print and circulate his defense, though he might have license for enough copies to supply the members of the Suprema. In a case in which he distributed them through the universities, they were called in and suppressed, and if he attacked the witnesses and calificadores, he was liable to savage penalties of the bull, Cide Prodigendis. Yet, in the end, the author was entitled to a hearing. In a case occurring at Laurent in 1816, the Suprema instructs the tribunal to suppress a certain pamphlet in the next edict, but it is to ask the author, Dr. Martin Batinkas, whether he desires to defend it, if so, to furnish him with the censures, but not the names of the calificadores, when the matter will take its regular course. The provision for a defender in the case of deceased and foreign authors was similarly maintained. In 1816, the Suprema instructed the Madrid Tribunal to take up the case of a book entitled El Niño Instruido, which had been suspended on account of the troubles. Now a new edition had appeared, which must be seized, and a copy of the censures be furnished to the general of the barefoot Carmelites. If he should not desire to put forward a defender, the tribunal was to appoint a defensor de oficio. So scrupulously was this observed that in 1817, a single copy of a French book printed in 1801 entitled Du mariage dans ses rapports avec la religion et avec les Louis Nouvelles, found in possession of canon Miguel Cortes, was duly condemned by calificadores when Pedro Cento was appointed to defend it. On his refusal, proceedings appear to have been dropped. During this later period, the Inquisition, arid the state, were in firm alliance against their common enemy, the Revolution, and the state made full use of the Inquisition as a political instrument, although it had its own elaborate and effective censorship. This employment of the Inquisition was a new development, for in the earlier time, the instances in which inquisitorial censorship was called upon for political service are surprisingly few. In the case of Antonio Perez, it was inevitable that the Inquisition should prohibit his writings. 
and unauthorized accounts of his persecutions there was less excuse for suppressing in sixteen o nine padre mariana's volume of essays on account of his criticism of the ruinous debasement of the coinage there was unworthy compliance to the holy see when in sixteen o six the suprema forbade the possession of any one of the papers and memorials issued by venice in its quarrel with paul v on the pretext of their being scandalous to christendom and an event greater misuses of its power when it arrested and prosecuted francisco de la cueva a lawyer whom the venetian ambassador had employed to write in defense of the republic on the eve of the catalan revolt in sixteen forty the protest of barcelona to the king was suppressed as coming under the rules of the expurgatorio being seditious insulting and scandalous and this precedent was followed with all the writings on the subject during the revolt on the whole however throughout the first three centuries of its existence the political use made of the inquisition in this and other ways was wonderfully small it was otherwise when the upheaval came which threatened the stability of all monarchical institutions and nothing was more dreaded than the public opinion which might develop into action all the agencies at command of the state were felt to be needed and carlos the fourth hastened to open the way for the inquisition by declaring in an edict of seventeen eighty nine that all which contributed to spread revolutionary principles was heresy being a doctrinal error contrary to the teachings of the apostles peter and paul and this was speedily reduced to practice by an edict of the inquisition ordering the surrender of all papers coming from france and conveying revolutionary ideas watchfulness on importations especially from france by both royal and inquisitorial officials was redoubled and for years new methods were constantly devised to keep the population in ignorance of events beyond the pyrenees it was in vain french newspapers and books were smuggled across the frontier and forbidden speculations on the laws of nature and the rights of man were widely disseminated when the crisis came with the deportation of the royal family and the napoleonic invasion there was a leaven of liberalism sufficient to find expression in the demand for a new order of things the extraordinary cortes elected by universal suffrage and assembled at cadiz in eighteen ten lost no time in framing a law for the freedom of the press yet the tradition of the necessity of censorship was so strong that the decree of february twenty second eighteen thirteen suppressing the inquisition transferred to the bishops the jurisdiction over censorship as well as over heresy the law on the press had provided a control by the state over all printing and books on religion were subject to a second episcopal examination with full power of condemnation and suppression which elaborate provisions were made for an authoritative index this cumbrous scheme never had vitality and the restoration of eighteen fourteen restored to the inquisition its jurisdiction over the press as soon as it could spare time during the labor of reconstruction it addressed itself to the suppression of the revolutionary literature of the previous six years a carta acordada of october twenty fifth eighteen fourteen ordered the tribunals as speedily as possible to notify the suprema of all objectionable books pamphlets and papers that had been written or printed in their districts with all details as to the authorship and place of publication from this was compiled a list of a hundred and eighty-three prohibited publications including thirty-five journals but an edict of july twenty second eighteen fifteen 
described this as an incomplete, the faithful were referred to the rules of the index as defining whatever had been omitted, and all such were to be surrendered within six days under the traditional penalty of excommunication and two hundred ducats. All the old regulations and indexes were declared to be in force, and on August 3rd, each tribunal was ordered to suppress all objectionable matter printed within its district. The correspondence of the Suprema at this period shows minute and constant watchfulness over the press, and a large part of the labors of the Inquisition during its brief resuscitation was devoted to censorship, mostly of a political character. The constitutional refugees who had fled from the vengeance of the reaction were busy with such slender means as they could command in propagating their ideas as the protestant refugees had been in the sixteenth century and there was the same anxious vigilance to counteract their efforts while the danger was greater for a large part of the population was known to secretly share their views thus in eighteen eighteen circulars were received in madrid announcing the appearance in london of a weekly entitled el espanol constitutional immediately the royal council sent out orders to the judicial and military authorities to seize all copies and the Juez de imprentas did the same to its subordinates all of which resulted in finding enough of the circulars to show that they had been widely distributed then the aid of the inquisition was invoked and on august third the suprema ordered the tribunals not only to seize all copies but to arrest anybody concerned then on september the thirteenth the king reported that the wicked refugees in london who had been through lack of funds obliged to abandon the project had recently obtained contributions and had resumed it wherefore fresh diligence was enjoined two days later the suprema forwarded this to the tribunals with orders to exert themselves in seizing the circulars and periodical and also the accomplices in the so-called conspiracy again on november fourth the suprema called renewed attention to its former letters and enclosed a royal order stating that the london ambassador reported the appearance of the second number of the journal and insisting on every precaution to prevent its circulation in spain there is no trace however of any copy of the mysterious periodical being captured by the inquisition or of the arrest of anyone concerned simultaneously with this on november fifth the suprema transmitted another royal order stating that letters intercepted in the mails containing prospectus of a periodical entitled gabinet de curiosidades politicas y literarias de espana y indias to be issued in london by gallardo former librarian of the cortes the suprema consequently issued instructions enjoining the utmost vigilance in seizing the prospectus and copies of the periodical the happy faculty of confusing the spiritual and temporal so valuable to the medieval church had evidently not been lost to the spanish monarchy although in general the inquisition carefully abstained from intrusion in the field of morals yet in censorship it undertook to guard the public from which might contaminate virtue as well as from what affected faith this was justified by the rules of the tridentine index as well as that of clement the eighth in fifteen ninety six where lascivious books and illustrations were to be prohibited or expurgated literature however largely escaped at least until the later period the celestina of francisco de rojas of which more than thirty editions were printed in the sixteenth century 
its popularity leading to its use as a school book notwithstanding its somewhat crude indecency escaped attention until the index of 1640 ordered the expurgation of about fifty lines and it was not prohibited until that of 1790 art attracted earlier attention especially when its employment in sacred subjects lacked dignity however stimulating it might be to the piety of the unlettered public the first allusion i have met in this function of the inquisition occurs in fifteen sixty eight when inquisitor moral in reporting his visitation to san sebastian mentions penancing gracia de caldir for possessing a pintura deshonesta whereupon the suprema told him that he should have sent the picture to it apparently as a matter of censorship it reserved the decision to itself the next is a carta acordada of fifteen seventy one ordering the suppression of some figures on linen of the crucifixion and the trinity in which the calificadores had discovered symbols of lutheran doctrines and a series of twelve woodcuts of the passion with an epitome on the backs in latin and french this is emphasized in the expurgatory index of Curioga in fifteen eighty three of which the twelfth rule is directed against all representations of sacred persons or objects which savor of irision and irreverence spanish piety in fact occasionally manifested itself in somewhat grotesque form as in certain images of linen of the christ child in military uniforms the suppression of which was ordered in sixteen nineteen in sixteen forty nine the suprema was scandalized by the great irreverence and diabolical indecency with a savor of sacrilege of ribbons which were called bowels of angels or hearts or entrails of apostles and under the customary penalties it forbade asking for buying or selling ribbons with such names a few weeks later it prohibited all razors or knives on the handles of which were engraved images of christ the virgin the saints or the instruments of the passion all found in the shops were to be seized and the commissioners at the ports were to see that none were imported after the more serious work of the inquisition was accomplished in the elimination of judaism protestantism and islam its energies were more actively employed in this direction in 1787 we find that the valencia tribunal prosecuting francisca lazaro for indecent songs in 1803 the caprichos of goya the leading artist of the period wounded inquisitorial sensibilities he was summoned and his prosecution was commenced but he was saved by the intervention of carlos the fourth two of the last acts of the valencia tribunal in eighteen twenty were proceedings against the rime e prose del doctor tomaso crudeli which it pronounced to be obscene and impious and the condemnation of a book called zibaldone for lascivious propositions the theatre also became subject to inquisitorial censorship in eighteen seventeen a tragedy entitled la obstinacion de un padre was presented on the valencian stage october ninth and the tenth it seems to have excited disapproval and on the thirteenth the manuscript was presented to the tribunal for its censure in madrid the suprema acted as a preliminary censor and in eighteen fifteen we find it ordering the local tribunal to examine the opera el hombre de mal genio y buen corazón and the comedy el no de los niñas and on the report that the fiscal had no objection to the representation it gave its assent 
so in eighteen nineteen the suprema returns to the seville tribunal its calificacion of four sinates or farces with orders to put it into more intelligible shape to vote on it and to return its final decision works of art however were the principal objects of inquisitorial puritanism in seventeen ninety three the valencia tribunal formed a process concerning a certain snuff-box with a scandalous picture supposed to be in possession of don jacinto de castro governor of the sola del crimen solicitude of the public morals was so acute that october second eighteen fifteen the suprema approved a decree of the madrid tribunal ordering all the hairdressers of the city to remove from their windows or alter to decency the wax busts which they exhibited as specimens of their art apparently because they made too exuberant a display of their charms artists and dealers in pictures were held to a strict accountability but a week before the last case the suprema had considered a prosecution of the seville tribunal of juan rodriguez and domingo alvarez de cadiz the former for painting and the latter for exhibiting in his shop a picture called diana provocative by its posture and nudity they were ordered to appear before the commissioner of cadiz who should reprimand and absolve them from the excommunication incurred and warned them that a repetition of the offence would be visited with the penalties provided by regla eleventh of the expurgatorial banishment and five hundred ducats fine six months later pasquale francini of two pinteras obscenas was fined a hundred ducats and as he was ordered to be set at liberty it is evident that he had been imprisoned he pleaded poverty and his fine was kindly reduced three months later santiago schmidt and his son joseph were sentenced by the madrid tribunal for selling to the prussian ambassador an indecent picture for eight thousand reals for this they were fined two thousand reals which the suprema benignantly reduced to fifty ducats doubtless in this case ambassadorial privilege saved the purchaser from prosecution for the possession of objects regarded as immoral was calidad de oficio and the records are full of cases against those who owned snuff-boxes watches packs of cards etc with indecent figures or inscriptions as well as pictures engravings and books with plates that offended the modesty of the censors no doubt much of what was condemned was thoroughly vicious and disreputable but the resultant purification scarce compensated for the invasion of private life and the stimulus to the detestable habit of espionage and denunciation through which alone such matters could come to the knowledge of the tribunals much good art moreover was undoubtedly sacrificed by ignorant censors for the object thus condemned were destroyed in eighteen o five at valencia a painting on copper of the adultery of venus was thus ordered to be effaced and when this was done the sheet of copper was delivered to the alcalde del crimen to be restored to the owner akin to this was the tearing out of objectionable plates from books which happens to be mentioned in eighteen nineteen in the case of don luis montfort a captain of artillery thus the censorship of the inquisition was well embracing from the most dangerous heresies of luther and calvin the popularization of scripture the relations between the church and state the liberalism of modern era down to the veriest trifles it was an engine of immense power 
constantly applied for the furtherance of obscurantism. The repression of thought, the exclusion of foreign ideas, and the obstruction of progress, it was accompanied by a state censorship based upon the law of 1558, perfected in the innumerable successive regulations of a character most vexatious and embarrassing to authorship. And this duplication of censors exercised a most deployable, depressing influence on literature and culture. Authorship was discouraged by the uncertainty whether works on which perhaps years of labor had been spent would secure a license to print. The business of publication was rendered extra hazardous by the fact that a book printed with due license from the state might at any moment be prohibited by the Inquisition and the whole edition to be seized and destroyed while purchasers who had bought such a licensed book were liable to be deprived of it without compensation. Thus between the state and the Inquisition, whether working in unison or at cross-purposes, the intellectual development which in the 16th century promised to render Spanish literature and learning the most illustrious in Europe was stunted and starved into atrophy. The arts and sciences were neglected, commercial and industrial progress was rendered impossible, and the character which Spain acquired among the nations was tersely expressed in the current sayings that Africa began at the Pyrenees. End of section 65